Welcome to All About Ours, QPR's one and only official club podcast. I'm Simon Cheshire and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Andy Sinton as we reflect on what has been a busy month for the Super Hoops both on and off the field. From victories over Bristol City, Sheffield United, Cardiff City and Wigan Athletic and the rumours surrounded Midfield's future, it's been a hell of a week for the Ours. Since here we are back at Loftus Road, you have quite a big smirk on your face. That <laughs> must mean QPR at the top of the table, aren't they? Well, all things are good uh, for various reasons. You know, where we are in the league, performances, uh, winning games, manager staying, etc, etc. But uh, yeah, still a long way to go, but uh, we're in a great position and uh, everyone deserves credit for that. Off the field, how have you been on the golf course match recently? No, I haven't played. I played in a, one of our sponsors' golf days a couple of weeks ago. Uh, played quite well, actually. Uh, but no, I'm certainly a, a fair weather golfer clubs will go and get some dust in the garage uh, but uh, but yeah all good everything's uh, everything in the gardens rosy as they say looking back to last week obviously QPR were top of the table after the Cardiff game but the decision that came out and Mick Beale staying at QPR confirming his allegiances to us here in W12 it's sprung a new lease of life into what has already been a really positive start to the season hasn't it yeah, last week was a it was a really strange week actually. Yeah, you know they say a week's a long time in politics, and probably not, oh, let's not go there. Eh? With uh, but certainly a week in football is a long time. A week uh, for us was a long time. You know we come off the back of a uh, I know we'll talk about it in a bit, but the defeated Luton uh, leading into the Cardiff game where you look at the bounce back and all sorts of stuff start to get reported, and you start to think are these rumours or is a fact? And the closer you got to that Cardiff game, we I think we all realised, uh, fans included, that there was definitely something in this. Um, and we we play against Cardiff, we put in a great performance, we win. But I have to say, I think there was a real strange atmosphere because after that win, we had gone top of the league. But I think the, the vast majority of our fans and everyone at the club probably thought the very next day or straight after the game, there might be some sort of announcement because when the Premier League club the size of Wolves comes calling whether that's for a player or for a coach or for a manager it normally leads to one thing so uh, so yeah it was a strange a strange evening um, but the next morning nothing seemed to be communicated or happening early doors and you, you think when is he uh, and it got to lunchtime and this announcement was made that Mick had uh, sort of turn the opportunity to speak to Wolves and stay at QPR and I think that just give everyone connected to the club a, a lift um, our fans who have been brilliant I'm sure it must have given the players a lift as well because I think you heard me after commentary a few weeks ago you know I think something's starting to bubble and something's starting to happen here and mix very much at the heart of that and the core of that so that was that was brilliant if we strip it right back go back to the beginning the moment Mick Bill and his coaching staff, Damien Matthews, Harry Watlin, walked into the door here at Loftus Road. What were your first impressions? And all right, we're only a third into the season, but what are your expectations? Has he already succeeded your expectations? What? Well, first of all, I think uh, that's, that's a really good question, Simon. You know, I think um, people in the game knew about Mick and all about Mick and his coaching qualities and him as a person and as a man. But I think the vast majority of people outside the game might have heard of him as, uh, in a small way but didn't know too much about him so um, so yeah when the appointment was made I know the club and credit to the club you know the owners the, um, uh, Lee and Les they they did a, a very comprehensive um, process to get what they believed is the right man and you know, Simon, you know, whenever you sign a player or you take a manager, you, you think you've got the right player, you think you've got the right manager. You never know until they get into the building. So any manager, any signing becomes a little bit of a gamble. But, you know, so Mick walked in the door, you know, really confident in himself, which I like. Uh, clear vision, clear structure of what he wants to do and what he wants to achieve. Um, and I quite like the fact that Mick will say... He wants to manage in the Premier League. He wants to coach in the Premier League because he's backing himself. And if he can help QPR get to where we want to go, 
Um, is that a, a role model setting a sort of standard here at QPR that maybe if you look at it from the outside, we probably haven't had that exceptionally high standards in, in recent years. So we've seen him come in. People here behind the scenes will know that he's changed the dressing yeah. room. Yeah, yeah. He spoke about it at the fans forum. The, the scenes behind the, the CEO and everyone, Lee Hughes, has really backed him to meet them standards. Is that something that... Again, actually, you know, very confident in what he, what he, what he is and what he brings. Um, knows where he wants to get to. Know, knows his vision of how he's going to get there. Um, it's going to change one or two things. Going to get it the way he wants it to go. Um, and people have got to jump on board with him. Um, so I, I quite like that. Um, there seems to be a real togetherness right through the club now um, from the from the shareholders through to the board down to the, the, the head coachy staff and the players and right through into the academy which I think is is really important and something the club was probably wanting and looking for over recent seasons and it was starting to happen but they just see Mick as uh, the guy to, to knit all that together you know so um, delighted I think we said on this platform and I said in many interviews you know I was personally delighted that a young up and coming coach who's um served his time further down the pyramid in certain areas, took the time to go abroad to broaden his horizons of the game, you know, doesn't stand still. So I think I welcomed the appointment by the club that we gave a young up and coming coach the opportunity to uh to develop and run our football club. That said he needs people alongside him, you know, he's brought in his own staff, you know, with Damien and, and Neil who I think actually coached uh Mick years and years ago, Harry Watlin he's brought in, Gavin Ward who's been here for the past five or six seasons has done a fantastic job with all our goalkeepers. Um, so they'll all play important parts as with all the coaches, you know, Chris and Alex and the academy set up. But the important thing is from from Mick working alongside Les and Lee and the owners to get everything in line. Will everything go right? Well, hopefully yes, but you know, we've got to be realistic. There will be bumps on the road. We had one a couple of weeks ago in a performance at Luton, but... Uh, we're certainly on the right track. We we can sit and rave about each performance, each individually, over the past few weeks on this platform. We have done exactly that. But is there a positive this over the last few games? Obviously, we last spoke before Bristol City. We had an impressive first half there. But then moving into the closer games at Cardiff, Wigan, we were a lot more dogged defensive. But we really, the addition of Leon Balogun has obviously helped with that. But... We're showing a different side to our great game, a lot more grit, determination, yeah. whatever key word you want to throw at it, but we're showing that, aren't we, in and abundance? I, th- I think that's important. Any team is going to be successful. You have your way of playing. You have the way, uh, your fundamentals, your, your things you form, fall back on uh, to, to play from. Uh, you have your philosophy, you have your style, you have your DNA, all those words that you want to throw into the mix. But don't forget that you're playing against teams who are trying to stop you. They'll come up with things that um, will interrupt and stop the way you, you want to play. So you have to always be um, able to to change. And what I like about Mick, he's got his way of playing, but he's very, very flexible. You know, we play games without an automatic number nine, an out-and-out number nine, uh, where there's lots of rotation. He's changed the formation from a back four to a back three almost seamlessly because he's he's worked at that uh, during training. He's He's played in games without what many would think is our best players or some of our best players and still been able to win games. We've had games where we've played free-flowing football and won. But we've had certain games where Bristol City second half, Sheffield United, when they put us under a little bit of pressure. Uh, Wigan here at the weekend where we've really had to dig in and any side that's going to be successful, I've got to say, just has to find a way. We want to do it in a certain way, but if the opposition stop you and it's not quite your day doing it the way you want, you find a way to get over the line and to win games and to put points on the board. And mixed team has done that so far. Clearly, because it's in the forefront of my mind, obviously the Cardiff game, we had Neil Warnock back here, who's inducted into the Forever Hours. If we look back, if you really, with a magnifying glass, fine tooth comb, went over the 10-11 season when we yeah. obviously went on to be champions that yeah, year, yeah. there was games, we had the class of Tarat and... Ali Fallin, for example, but there were games where we grounded out a 1-0 or 2-1 and that is a sign of what was a very good team back then. And if you looked at Man City, it's exactly the same, isn't it? 
as I've said, any team that's going to be successful, and what do you say successful is that got to get promoted, have we got to get in the playoffs? Um, any team that's going to be successful has to be able to do that. As I've said before, there's a way we want to play. It goes right through the club now. Um, but when you're playing in certain games, you might have to adapt and change. And we've seen that with Mick. You know, go from that back four to a back three when the game's been right to do it. And different personnel coming in, changes, squad rotation, etc., etc. Um, and we've been able to win games. What have we won? Five from the last six, six from the last eight, including a draw. So that's pretty impressive. But also what I like with Mick as well, he gets his feet and the team's feet and the supporters' feet hopefully back on the ground very soon after a win and says, you know what, we're a third into the season. The championship is so unforgiving. You have a bad week in the championship and you'd be four, five, six places below where you are now. You know, there's some good teams all capable of beating each other. But what we're showing is we're a good team. We've got good players. We're in good form. And we are where we are at this moment in time. And uh, we're looking down on everyone. But as I say, let's not get carried away. But uh, very, very pleasing. What were your first impressions of a McBeal QPR side back in pre-season? And how has it evolved? As, if you use your initial thoughts, you, everyone's quick to judge a football team. But have your initial thoughts stayed as they were? Or has it changed drastically? Or has it, has it evolved? Well, it's evolved quickly probably quicker than many people would have thought and that's credit to Mick and his coaching staff you know he seems to have got this real vital ingredient of togetherness certainly within the, the, the playing group and the, the squad and his staff he seems to have knitted that together probably quicker than many others have and done um, you know I was away for the majority of pre-season I'll bring you back in there because you see the early signs of pre-season but my first view of the team and Mick and what he wanted was a wheelstone. Now people might say, well it's only wheelstone, you won seven two, blah. But I straight away saw things I was talking to Nick on commentary. I could very quickly see little tweaks that he had ch changed in there. Not just the personnel because as I said we already recruited quite well or very well. Uh, but the way he wanted from certain positions I thought it was going to be a lot tighter in the middle of the park and force teams to play round us where you can buy a little bit more time rather than They've been a critical of last season's team. I thought teams got through us into our back three or back four, whatever we was, mostly a back three or back five, uh, too quickly. Um, so we, that was evident to me from the from the Wheelstone game, and it's um, it's evolved. I think since the season start, you know, we had a disappointing game. It was a tight game up at Blackburn, but there wasn't really much in it. I suppose everyone got in the car and go, okay, right, what did we see? What did we learn different there? But you know, that was very early into his tenure, if you like, players not missing. But I'll strip that back and I'll bring you in, you know. You were I think you went to Germany, didn't you, that preseason? Yeah. What did what did, what did you see? What did because you were there, you were the eyes, you were involved with Mick, you saw the training twice a day, you were interviewing, etc. etc. What did you see from, from Mick and his staff and the players in those very early stages of preseason? I mean, I would like to say I don't have as much experience in football. As yourself, so it's been quite a an interesting journey to be really involved right from the beginning of someone coming in to where we are now, third into the season, heading into October, November. So early on, I saw I think Kenneth Powell had just arrived, yeah, and straight away you could see that he was going to be a key threat. So I remember watching training in Germany, and he was whipping balls in, and you could see the quality he had. And Stefan Johansson being the other key figure, because I feel like last season he had a bit more of a defensive role. He took on that responsibility a bit much, where we've been reliant on Soundfield to do that, to allow Johansson to dictate the play a bit more. And they were early pieces of the puzzle that I started to see out in Germany. And I think as the season's did, gone on... Did, Kenneth, you did you notice in Germany, you know, with the trainer sessions, Mick's very much hands-on, isn't he? Very much hands-on as, a, you know, he's got the title of a head coach. He is, he is a coach. That yeah. wants to. I think he develop. enjoys coaching yeah. as well, and I think that's a positive for yeah. Eurelius Chairs, your Chris Willocks. Even well, he, he wants to develop and get the best out of players, and I think what he does, he probably holds the players to account. So all players will want to go on to a better level, and we all want them to go on to a better level. And if they're if they're doing well and they're creating 
what's the term noise that means they're doing well there's no noise if you're not doing very well well there is but it's the other other sort of noise that you you don't want to um so yes yeah, so i think mick wants to wants to develop but he also says to the players you know what you want to get the you want to go and play in the premier league with how are you going to get there and it, i think he lets players have their say how they're going to get there and he goes okay right so if you're going to get there, you've got to do this, you've got to work harder, you've got to get fitter, you've got to be stronger. Okay, well, I'll hold you account to that because you've just told me. And I think on a daily basis, what I hear and what I see. And is that a, a modern day manager, coach? I think so, yeah. That how that's football evolved back yeah. in when you were playing, for example, would it be treated differently? or would... I was always that account and that, that, that's probably what I like about what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing with Mick, you know, we, we had that with you know, QBR legend, great Jerry Francis, my manager, you know, Jerry was all those years ago, 30 odd years ago, he was quite similar. I think I've told the story that the first time I met him, he looked me in the eye and he said, you can and should and probably will play for your country. And I sort of, out of embarrassment, actually sort of smirked and turned away and he went, you will, and I'm going to help you with this, this, this. And, uh, so from day one, then you had Ray Wilkins come in and almost said exactly the same sort of things, you know. So you've got two very key, prominent figures within football saying the same thing. And that pricks your ears up a little bit. Um, so yeah, how can I get better at this? How can I get better at that? Do I need to work on the crossing a little bit more? Do I need to work on coming in and picking up half positions, you know, when, when I'm not getting the ball where I, I would like to play and influence that? And so he asked me, I gave him the answers and he said, OK, I'm going to help you. And I think Mick is very much of that ilk and uh, uh, really, really promising. I don't want to draw too many comparisons to the team that you played back in the early 90s. But is there very similarities in the team that we're seeing now? In, in terms of, I'm seeing Sinclair Armstrong, <coughs> the way he's powerful, the way he dictates play and holds the ball up being compared to, obviously, Les. That's a very big comparison. <laughs> I don't want to put a lot of weight on Sinclair's young shoulders. Well, I know where you get. I know. I know where you're going with this. You know what I like. Um, I mix said it, but it's evident. You know we've got some very, very good players, very talented players. But our biggest strength and biggest asset is the team. And you mentioned my team. That's we had some fantastic players, but the team was key. Mix said it time and time again. He actually said it at the fans forum. You know he he's big on. The collective, the team, and within that you'll have a fantastic individual who you might be missing for three or four games. Well, that's 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 the case with Chris Chris Willock. You know, I, I make no shame. I'm a huge Chris Willock fan. Last season when he went out of the team, I think everyone was doom and gloom, and that showed in some of our results this year. He's gone out of the team. I think we've won three out of four since he hasn't played. So the team becomes bigger than any one player. Um, with that there's a stat to chuck in at this exact perfect moment so we've had 12 different goal scorers when Leon Balogun scored the header against Wigan to make it make it 2-1 that meant everyone on the field had scored a goal that was in that 11 on Saturday does that just emphasise your point that it's a lot more of a team game this season than relying on one or two individuals I think the team is key you know everyone Harps on and has told me time and time again over years and years, you know, you need you need a twenty goal striker. We'd all need a twenty goal we all like a twenty goal striker. But if you're solely relying on your twenty goal a season man and he gets injured, where's your goals coming from? Where are you winning games from? So in that, you know, the fact we've got goals shared around the pitch, uh, we've got creativity in different areas, you know, some of our best creative players come from your fullbacks. And they're key in the way Mick and his staff and the boys want to play. You know, where Ethan Laird's been a huge success since he's came to the club. I think everyone would recognise that. Uh, Kenneth, I think, is... Um, I'm not talking out of turn here. I think he started the season slowly, but he was getting used to the the the, the challenges of the championship. Yeah. But has got better and better and better. Delight to see him and get his, get his first goal. So them, them two have been... Key and if you look at it, if you if you analyse many of the goals we've scored, both of those have played a prominent part in them. Whether the, whether they're scoring themselves or providing the cross or joining in the link of play, uh, 
Defensively, I think we've been solid. You know, we've uh, Leon Balligan's coming to the club, and I think has been outstanding, absolutely excellent. What Leon will bring, he'll bring that game, big game mentality. You know, played in games at a certain level, know what knows what it's like. But I think uh, looks a super professional. I think that will influence younger players within the within the group at competition for places. Jake Clark Salter was out the side with his injury. Now he's back in. Looks like he's never been away. Jimmy was in, did well, but got injured. Now he's going to have to fight for his place. Um, so I could go on and on. Rob Dickey, arguably in the last couple of seasons, people say one of our better players. Can't get in the side now, but was there. Uh, champing it a bit and probably recognise Rob will have to raise his game. And that's what you want. If you're not in the team and the team's doing well, well you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to impress the manager and the coaches on a daily basis uh, with how you perform how you conduct yourself, your attitude, uh, etc. And when you get your chance, because football's got a strange habit, it gives you a chance when you least expect it, you need to be ready. And when you're ready and you get it, you have to take it. If we, last time we spoke was just after the international break, Lyndon Dykes had scored a couple of goals for Scotland. We then headed to Ashton Gate and we mentioned it earlier, but he had quite an impressive first half performance, a bit more dogged second half. But since then, it's, Kickstarted a bit of a run of form, excluding, of course, the, the Luton game, isn't it? Well, the Bristol City game was a prime example of um, how you win games or what you've got to do. I thought the first half we were excellent. The game at Bristol City for me in the first half was almost too easy. I remember looking at Nick when we are doing commentary at half-time and going, this game should be over. You shouldn't even... You've obviously got to come out for the second half, but the game should have been put to bed. No one could have complained if we were four up. Uh, we were two up at the time, but you know, and I said it, you know, Bristol City, 20 odd thousand people, Nigel Pearson, I know, would have got them revved up a little bit. You know, you knew there was going to be a reaction. And credit to Bristol City, there was a reaction. Once they got back to 2 1, you see the belief in their players they could possibly get something from the game. The mood within the change room, um, the, change room the, the stadium uh, changed. Uh, dramatically um, and we had a really dig deep win headers defend our box get blocks in or I term the ugly side of the game to win and that was that was really really pleasing so it goes back to what we said about 10-15 minutes ago you know there's different ways to win games we all know the way we want to win a game but sometimes you've got to roll your sleeves up you put your bodies on the line you win your headers and you you, you grind it out and you get on the bus with three points and you, and, and you go again. And that was a huge week for us, I felt. I think I said before we went to Bristol City, um, this will show us how far we've come as a team. Bristol City away, Sheffield United away, who at the time I think were top, and Reading, who were riding high on the Friday night. Three games in six days. How are we going to do? Well, three points down at Bristol. Another great performance in different ways up at Sheffield. Three points there. And three points at Reading where we get a goal right at the death. So uh, so that showed us how far we had come as a side. You've got your obligatory warm welcome at Bramall Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone who plays on the, the other side of town there. Um, but no, what I would say, Sheffield United, massive club. Great fan base. It's a club that probably should be in the Premier League. But just like 10 others in our, our division, us being one of them. You have to earn it. You have to go and get it. And you, um, as I say, so. But that was another. That was another really good win. Um, you know, because I think for twenty five minutes, I think Sheffield United show what good side they are territorially. They, they almost camped in their own half. But I felt quite comfortable in that game. Now you might say, well, why is that? Since that that sounds a bit. Felt quite comfortable because of all their territorial advantage. We protected Seni really, really well. I think there was one chance where Endai came in on the left and went on a little bit of a mazy run and elected the side put it. I think that was the only real chance they had. Everything else was from long range and Senny dealt with it really comfortably. So again, you know, with a hostile crowd to go away from home to keep a clean sheet, bring three points back again, shows you how the team's evolving. Lost Chris Willick. I know we've had a lot of, already, a lot of good performances away from home, but was the performance... And the manner of the performance at Bramall Lane, the first signs of this different QPR. Everyone expects QPR to turn up and nice on the ball, good in possession. But when the yeah, it's, when it's against you, QPR cave in a little bit, yeah. and we really sort of stood up. Then didn't we? That was really the first signs of it. That's yeah, a good point. Um, 
yeah, we had to we had to find a way in that game to um, to grind it. To you know, we had just before you came in, and we mentioned we lost Chris. You know, Chris gets what went on to be the winning goal, but a few minutes later, and I think everyone connected the QPR would have been forgiven for going. Oh no, we've lost arguably our best player again. We saw the impact that losing Chris had last year. Uh, we pretty much went into free fall, not just because of Chris, but I'm sure that was a that was a big um, part of that last season. Chris is a huge player. I've, I've said it again, I'll say it again. Big fan of his. Um, you know, very instrumental to the team. But you talk about winning games in a different way. I see a different side because it was almost like, okay, we've lost Chris, but we're still going to back ourselves. We've still got a squad that is good enough. And again, that comes down to, to Mick as a head coach. You know, he, He's got that belief, so... You lose an instrumental player, but someone comes in and we continue to get results and win games. And that's the team that I was talking about. The team is more important than any one player. And of course, we want Chris back as quick and fit and healthy for the rest of the season. Almost adding fuel to the fire, isn't it? A a team that are top of the league without arguably one of the best players in the league is... Surely a recipe for success is yeah, and that's uh, that's credit to the 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 other players who've come in, because you know they they're working hard on a daily basis. They're they're trying to show Mick that they should be in the side, um, and I think he's shown that he's not frightened to make changes, and he put you in if he thinks he's ready. Like Sinclair Armstrong came in, wasn't on the bench at Luton, comes straight in from the cold if you like um, against Cardiff because Mick sees something that he might be able to do during the game to unsettle Cardiff. Um, so yeah, all good. We talked. We've mentioned about Lyndon Dykes and scoring for Scotland. He came back. He showed quality. Showed the quality he has. He's always always has done. He wins the balls defensively. Really helps the team. But Reading was finally. He got the goals that his game has deserved, doesn't it? He's had a bit of a tough time in front of goal. Well, we spoke the last time we spoke about you know Lyndon going away with Scotland and getting a couple of goals. You know, late on in that. Uh, game against Ukraine was it that he came on and we were we were saying he should hopefully come back to, to Queen's Park Rangers full of confidence and that maybe should could kick start him, you know. So he comes back, he gets two against Reading, great confidence to uh, you know, to to take responsibility uh, with a penalty, dispatches that brilliantly on his birthday, you know, two goals on your birthday, that's not bad, you know, wins us the game. Um and since then he's been part of the team that has done really well you know if he's not getting these goals he's a he's an able foil for the likes of Ilias and Tyler Roberts and Chris when he's been playing except to go and express themselves by he occupies centre-backs I thought his work ethic here against Wigan uh, on Saturday was absolutely incredible no goals to his game but what a part he played in the team both when we were under a little bit of pressure when it came out just holding things up and winning free kicks winning vital headers from set plays to, to clear danger you know all of that that's been encouraged by the staff and his fellow players and uh, yeah but credit to one man deserves a lot of credit and that's Lyndon himself you know because when you're on a barren run as a number nine number nines will get judged rightly or wrongly by how many goals they score I think I said that the last time you know that's just the position on the pitch that they play so now he's getting his goals, but he's helping the team in so many other different ways. And uh, yeah, well done, Alinda. Well, you mentioned they're judged on that. It can go on the flip side, isn't it? If then if they don't score, they're negatively judged. So to have the confidence and the mental strength to take that penalty at home to Reading, and what was a very very tight game, and we got in, uh, edged ourselves in front. They made a mistake. They drew level, and then right last ten minutes to have a penalty like that, and so stick it away with the confidence he did even though he's had quite a a dry spell in front of goal that's quite a yeah big thing isn't it yeah back back backed himself um which which you like in a player or uh whatever position you're playing in uh, back yourself if you're the penalty taker you know believe in yourself and he, he he stuck it away really really well i think it's important to mention on that penalty uh we spoke about kenneth growing i think uh, young tim tim Rabunam as really getting to grips with the the pace and the physicality of the championship and showing what a fine young player he is. You know, people within the game speak highly of him. He's got a very bright future. And again, where we started, Mick plays an important part of that. He's 
he's worked with a young lad. Um, he's put faith in the young lad to come and play in the championship. What he's saying is, I want to work with you again. I think you're good enough to come and play in this level. I think you're good enough to start influencing games at this level. And uh, he's got better and better. And what I like about young Tim is, you know, let's not hide behind it. He made a mistake at Luton. You know, he was a 20-year-old. Um, probably was the defining moment in the game because at 1-0, I think we had just hit the crossbar. Um, Jacob just crushed a shot against the, and we were in the ascendancy. Uh, Tim plays a part in that goal um, to put them 2-0 up and probably finish the game, if we're honest. What I liked in that, and I mentioned on um, on commentary, what I liked in that, didn't like the fact that Tim had played a part, but as he made the mistake, he sort of held his head. But some of the experienced boys, Stephanie Johansson, certainly walked past him, give him a little tap. Um, don't know what he said, but I couldn't get your head up. You know, mistakes happen. Um, and young players need that. I've been a young player. You know, you, you'll, you'll have good games, very good games. Then you'll have the odd where things don't quite go. So you need the older players. You need your coach to go, OK, you know what? Made a mistake. Can we rectify it? Can we Can we work on it? Can we not do it again? Et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so I saw that in the Luton game. And Tim... Arabunum, I think, is a, is a, is another one that's playing his part within the team really, really well. I think Nick Bill, after the game, said it was a, a tough day at the office at, way at Luton. Luton yeah. So to quickly turn around Wednesday night, obviously, with all the rumours that were going around, to go to Card- host Cardiff here at Loftus Road, a lot, again, I use the word mental strength, yeah. for the players to come out and produce in the way they did, or uh, the penalty went in our favour and... Many people have been critical of it and the sending off changed the game. But we took care of business. It's probably the right phrase, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, Luton. It's not high behind it. It was probably the most disappointing for me. It's the most disappointing uh, performance uh, of the season. Hence the result. I thought Luton, credit to them. You know, they, they don't make life easy for you when you go to Kenilworth Road. I thought they imposed themselves on us. Um, uh, their front two were a real handful. And we never really got to grips with that. So we got beat 3-1. Again, what I liked about Mick, I saw his interview after the game. Bad day at the office, we underperformed, didn't flower it up, didn't try and make excuses, just said we underperformed, we weren't very good today, but let's not dwell on it. And I really, really like that, because sometimes you can overthink things and you can get really down. He backed his team, and I think credit to Mick and certainly the players, the Cardiff game, with all the noise that was going around for them to put that type of performance in. With everything else was going around, that shows a real strength of club, a real strength of dressing room, a real strength of management, and a real togetherness and improvement of how we're growing amongst the players who take the field. Because I thought against Cardiff, from the first whistle, 11 v 11, we got out the blocks, we played with intensity, we took the game to them. Yeah, the... uh, the first goal, very harsh for me. But you know what? You'll never... If I'm asked sometimes, I'll comment on decisions. But you know, some some go for you, some go against you. That one went against Cardiff tonight. Did it help us? I don't really know. Because 11 v 11, we were we were excellent. Great play from uh, young Sinclair. You know, real positive when he picks that ball up. Uh, we're doing this interview. Just where he sort of behind me, where he picked it up. Real strength, pace, determination to, to commit defenders. And what I would say, whether that was a bad decision or not, he gave the referee a decision to make. Referee got it wrong, in my opinion. Got it wrong on the night, but it happens. But well played, Sinclair Armstrong. And you're back to Lyndon Dykes. Back yourself, Lyndon. Great penalty. Sets us on his way against Cardiff. Is that something in recent years we've missed almost? We're too nice. We're too... QPR are, they're the nice team. They're a bit fluffy. <laughs> like To have Sinclair going down, to make the referee make the decision if... And Lyndon's holding the ball up and he gets brought down. He's going down, whereas in previous years we've had strikers that predominantly would try and stay on their feet, try and be too honest. Is that something that can, whether it can is, work for you, yeah, can work against you? Whether it is or not, I think you've got someone like Sinclair Armstrong with that pace and power and determination driving into the box where he's going to commit defenders. Uh, you're asking defenders, or you're giving defenders a problem. Timmy Rabunum against Reading drives into the box. I hear Insy Paul saying, "Well, he's running at 100 mile an hour." We, you know, 
it's not Tim's job to slow down, you know, as he's driving into the box to commit defenders. And if there's the slightest bit of contact when you're going at that sort of pace, you're probably going to lose balance and go over. So, uh, again, you won't hear me about refereeing decisions. We've had a couple go again, uh, for us. We've had a couple go against us. So let's not moan when they go against us. Get on with it. Let's not overplay it when they go for us. It happened. Sinclair wins the penalty. Linden slots at home and we keep keep a foot on the gas which was pleasing you know we go 2-0 up with a a, a tremendous goal uh, a really tremendous teamwork goal where you know it starts at the back interchanging good cross Linden's on the move 2-0 up and we still don't take a foot off the gas because of 2-0 against 10 men there's a tendency and people go why does that happen Andy I don't know I don't know but a 2-0 so make what I said in the dressing room and I looked at the game and I was a couple, I don't know if, uh, you know what, well, Mick might listen to this and go, no, you, you, you're not right there, Andy, because yeah, I didn't do that. Whether he did it deliberately or not, I think against 10 men, he actually tucked his fullbacks, Kenneth and Ethan, a little bit, almost five yards deeper, to say, OK, we're in control of this game, but we're not going to get done on the counter, because we're going to have a lot of possession. We're going to have the majority of the ball. Let's not make the pitch massive so that when we give it away sloppily or... Or we make an error, they're straight at us. So, and still trying to increase the lead, he just made a little subtle change. So, as I say, that's just what I saw. Might be wrong. Uh, second half, Kenneth gets his goal. Great, great play from Sandfield. Another player I would like to mention, Sandfield. You know, we all love players who can go, you know, I'm a winger. I love players who go past people and create and excite. Goal scorers get the acclaim. Um, but you know that's that's, that's two, been two really, games in a row. Sandfield's been voted fans man of the match. That's been really important, and all good teams, um, all good teams. That's a key position in the in the in the modern game. Someone who sits in the middle of the park, does the ugly side, wins things, breaks things up. His positional play is superb, and as, as I say, if it's two games in a row that he's got man of the match, that is recognition of the importance that he has within the team. Um, and I'm sure his teammates will back that up. Mick will back him up. Well, Mick made him captain a few a few games ago, so he's growing and growing as well. Which, um, as I say, it's great to see the team. The Thursday afternoon, the temporary cloud that was sort of almost overcast in Loftus Road last se- this season was lifted when Mick Bill announced he was staying. The atmosphere on Saturday, I just want to mention it. It was <laughs> a little bit electric. At, at kickoff, and it seemed to carry on. There was a McVeal's Blue and White Army chant that went on for five, ten minutes. It's quite a quite a sight, wasn't it? Well, I think we alluded on it when we started. You know, I think we went top of the league against Cardiff, but I thought it was a little bit flat because I think the vast majority of people went home thinking we're top of the league, but we're probably going to lose our head coach, someone who's filling us with hope, excitement. Um, it has got a very bright future in the game. And and Mick, and again, I quite like it because he backs himself. Mick wants to go and manage and coach in the Premier League. He's already done it as a coach, but he wants to go in his own right. He will get there. Um, but credit to the club, you know, behind the scenes, uh, what was communicated to him. Uh, saw Mick, said he had about an hour's sleep, so he was obviously deep in thought. There would have been... Discussions happen on left, right, and centre. You know, Mick would have been speaking to his family, but he he came to the conclusion, and this is only what I've heard him say himself, so I'm not in the know. Just what Mick said, he just didn't think the time was right. He feels he's building something here. Uh, he thinks he's got a chance of doing what he wants to do here with this group of players. He he made a big play of saying about the owners and. Lee and Les putting their faith in him, his first managerial job, and you know wanted to repay them, if you like. And as I say, very, very honourable. You know, acts with a lot of integrity. Uh, as I say, I was in the car at the time when my my, my son actually called me. He said, "Have you seen the news? That's breaking." Had the uh, the radio was coming through as well, and uh, I actually cheered like I'm cheering on the air when uh, when we score a goal that. It was announced that Mick was going to stay. And I think you saw the reaction of our fans leading up to the game. You saw the reaction of our fans to that decision with Mick and the team prior to the game. Um, and it's given 
it's given everyone a huge lift. I think from outside our club, we're seen as a, you know, the way we handle stuff. We, you know, we've we've done things right, and a decision Mick made puts Mick in good light, but it also puts our football club in good good light. You know, so the the fans who are hugely important. You know, any fans of the football club, let's not underestimate how important they are. They've been absolutely magnificent with the the support they're given the team. Um, so yeah, it's just a it was just a great day, and you're looking at that now. Right, come on, that's now put to bed. Can we back that Wednesday night up with a performance and another win against what we knew was going to be a hard game, Wigan? Um, it's fair to say we we weren't at our best in terms of the free flowing QPR that we've seen in certain games, but we what we were at our best was winning headers, winning tackles, winning blocks, and finding a way. To get three points, which uh, which was really pleasing. Now I don't want to get too carried away, but when the ball comes into Josh McGuinness <laughs> and it comes off the corner of the bar onto the line and gets cleared, is that a sign <laughs> that it may be a positive season here at QPR? This is my supporter coming out with me. I want it to be <laughs> as much as anyone, but well, you've you've seen those sort of things go for you you've seen many go against you so yeah so what was that three or four minutes ago we had a player down I think we thought it might have been a free kick but Wigan and you know what Wigan players aren't there to referee the game the referee needs to referee the game so while he doesn't give it they have an overload ball comes in and comes off the inside of the post and falls to Senny and you just breathe a huge sigh of relief because you're thinking okay maybe that was meant to be uh, on that day it doesn't win you anything other than it won us two points because if that had gone in we would have just got a point it certainly doesn't get us promoted it doesn't get us a playoff it doesn't make us finish mid-table what it does it just got us over the line in that game where everyone breathed a, a, a big sigh of relief it was an incredible week for many reasons uh, you know if you look at the week why it's such a long time you had the disappointment the Luton you had the Cardiff game with everything that was going around and we won and then you had the end of the week where the hat settled down you had a great atmosphere full house almost um, and we won that game and we can just I think Mick was saying the lads were going to get a couple of days off just to take a deep breath and we go ready for the next big one, hard one, on Friday night up at Birmingham. If I throw my QPR shirt back on <laughs> and I'm sat up... still fit you. I'm sat, I'm sat up in South Africa Road watching QPR play. We played Wigan in numerous big games and off the top of my head I can remember in the year we got relegated, Laurie Remy scored a wonderful goal and Sean Maloney scored an equaliser right at the end. And is that a sign that things can go against you? Whereas we then play Wigan here, Josh McGuinness hits the bar. Where they go for you, they go against you. Is that football or is that fate that that season in 2012-13 we're going down? Or is this fate that it's going to be a positive year? I wish I knew the answer to that question, Simon. But I've played in enough games where you go, have we won that? Or have we lost that? Um, you know, there's a there's so much to put into the mix. Um, you know, you just take sense, sense the old cliche and say it's very boring actually, but you just have to take every game as it comes. You have to be the best version of yourselves as a player and as a team uh, and as a club, which is what we're trying trying to do every day. We're trying to improve. Uh, will we get things right all the time? No, but it won't be for the lack of trying. We're trying to do things properly on and off the pitch and I think there's a real uh, togetherness in what we're trying to do and let's face it and let's not hide behind it where we're trying to get to um, I'll leave other people to, to, to answer that but you know where we're trying to get to it's a long road ahead there'll be bumps in the road but we're on the right track it's early days yet the signs are really really promising as we look ahead we have a trip on Friday night Birmingham City live on Sky Sports that'll be a, a tough Clash. It always is Obviously. at St. Andrews. We have quite a good record in recent years, but yeah. the addition of obviously John Eustace and Matt Gardner are now there, who obviously famously were here at QPR for the last few years. Going to be a tough test, isn't it? Always a tough game there. Um, I think credit to John. He, you know, he's picked up some 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 decent results. I think they'll be quite pragmatic in their approach to the game. I don't think they'll come and make the pitch huge and want to take us on at a a game of football I think they might sit in and uh, but then the onus is on us to to be good enough to, to 
find a way, which is what I talk about, you know, whether that's passing them off the park, or that's winning the game from a set play. Uh, you know, mentioned set plays, we've, we've, we've scored a couple of set plays, that's obviously uh, been worked on at the training ground. But yeah, let's make no bones about it. Birmingham away will be a, a difficult game, but one that we go there full of confidence. And if we perform, I've got no doubts and I've got no uh, problem saying that if we're on our, if we're not, we're on a game and we do everything correctly and right, I'm fully confident we'll win. You mentioned about making the pitch small at St Andrews. There's been again over a couple of years a couple of goals that have come from the left hand side. Is that the, the pitch is quite big there, or is that a theoretical thing that fans are looking? at, Oh, it's quite a big pitch, whereas Loftus Road isn't. Is it? The way people are looking at it. Yeah, or... I think sometimes you can make you know. There's, I think sometimes it can be a perception, you know, because the pitch has to be in certain dimensions. Uh, sometimes this is classed as a small pitch, but it's not really. It's just the the the, the stands are quite close, and the atmosphere makes it feel very. You, you saw me playing in the staff game. I can say it's not a big. It's a very big pitch. <laughs> is that the game where you hardly left the centre circle? Is that the game? But, uh... No, but what I what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is you can make. Pitch there's not a great deal of difference. All the pitches now are, are, are really good. Um, so yeah, it's just about what you do in a day. It's about the players, uh, performing. As I say, I'll just chuck Luton back into the mix. You know, we went there on the, the, the back of winning three games in a in a row, and same players, underperformed. The opposition were really up for it with a great atmosphere. They were better than us on the day, and that's what can happen in the championship. So we'll have to be right we'll prepare we'll certainly not underestimate Birmingham but we believe in ourselves and um, we're coming back to the position where we are in our league did anyone really expect us to be top of the league after 16 games I'll answer that and say no uh, would people expect us to get promotion at the start of the season answer that would probably be no could we make the top six possibly and I think what I like about Mick uh, and he made a um, uh, he stated that the other day we're, we're almost like the underdogs so let's enjoy what we're doing enjoy the ride but recognise we've got a hell of a chance we've got a really good side we've got a really good squad and we're a club on the up after the um, Wigan game you, we did a bit of a role reversal didn't we you were in hospitality and you were interviewing Mick Bill after the game what was the mood like up there well in my roles I get asked to do all sorts of things we had one of our compares Billy was off so I I, I took to the mic prior to the game and you know read the teams and you know jollied the fans along as as as, as such you know uh, great mood in there um you know expectation has risen hope has risen um so yeah then to to come in after the game you know Leon I feel quite rightly got voted man of the match so we were waiting for him to come after his media duties etc etc and getting ready after the game so uh, he was up there but also Mick came in whether he came in to see some family members or anything you know and again you know Mick's he's done his work he's done his questions but he was still willing to come and speak in front of some of our fans after the game and you know so I, I just asked him and I know it's been a tough week because he's, he's said of himself I just asked him about that but you know just said we as a club were delighted that he he had agreed to, to stay and steer the ship sort of thing in in the months to to come asked him a couple of questions which he he answered really honestly and articulated very well as he does and uh, and got a huge round of applause and cheers so uh, so yeah that was that was good as well and obviously we mentioned Birmingham but that kick starts a run we play Norwich West Brom Huddersfield Coventry and then we have this very unusual World Cup break <laughs> but they're tough games aren't they leading up to that Simon, they're all tough, you know. Birmingham. I know it's a cliche, but yeah, it's not just a cliche. It's, it's it's it is a cliche, but it's a fact, you know. Birmingham away, Norwich at home on a Wednesday, you know. West Brom, you know. I look at West Brom, second bottom. Something doesn't seem right there. But if you look at their squad, you know, on any given time they can click and go and win six, seven games. You know, haven't got a manager at the minute. That might be the one game where they appoint a manager, and you see what happens when you know you get the bounce when a new manager comes in. So uh, Coventry, you know. Had a couple of tremendous results in recent weeks, you know, to to yeah, climb yeah. off the foot of the table. So, <laughs> you know what? You know, you can't predict the championship. You just got to back yourselves, and we got some tough games. And what's that? Four games until we go into this 
strange time, unprecedented break in the, in the in the middle of the season. How will that affect you? I was having a debate with someone uh, the other day. You know, when you when you're going well, do you want a break? No, but you're getting a break, so yeah, deal with it. You know, don't don't look for this might interrupt us. It, it's there. It's been planned. It's in the program. We just have to get on with it. The guys who are going away in the World Cup, we hope they you know have a fantastic time. We hope they do great. But we hope, from our point of view, they come back fit and healthy and rearing to go from when we start again. You know, so uh, yeah. But you know, if we play those four games that you've just mentioned there, what will that be? Twenty games into the season. Let's see if we can be where we are after twenty games. An exciting second half of the season when we all come back so uh, where would you want us to be heading into the World Cup break top <laughs> top by a few points but uh, all we can control is ourselves yeah you respect Birmingham on Friday night but all we can control is how we prepare how we play uh, and if if we do well the outcome will take care of itself unless you're very unlucky on the on the night all we can do is just worry about ourselves keep going keep improving keep putting points on the board and if other teams, you know, go on runs where they overtake us, we can't do anything about it. We can only do something about other teams when we play them. We can't do anything about the Burnleys of this world and, you know, the, the predicament West Brom are in at the minute. Just focus on ourselves as which what we do. Um, I think I said on my programme notes last week, you know, you're as good as your last game, but then you're as good as your next. So uh, just day to day, game to game, week to week, month to month, just keep putting your foot on the gas trying to improve and see where that takes us. I know football's a game of ifs and buts and it's easy to go, well, if only this had happened, <laughs> X, Y and Z. However, I now look at the table and see us heading into this week's <laughs> fixtures. We're a point ahead of third place and there's two games that sit in my mind within our space of a week when we played Rotherham and Blackpool that if we'd shown the team that we are, if we turned up on the day, then we could be heading into this week seven points clear <laughs> I know Ips, buts, it maybes. all works it's, yeah. it's a roundabout way it happens and everything but and those two games highlight and um, agree with everything I'm saying if you have a bad week in the championship and you might not have a bad week in performances uh, I think one of the games here Rotherham we, we had ch- chances and opportunity after you know and just didn't take them on the day so I don't think anyone went away and go oh, we played poorly today we just didn't win the game we get beat 1-0 against Blackpool um, you know where we didn't play in my opinion particularly great um, but maybe could have got something from the game but didn't so you just you you put it behind it you learn from it and you go from you go from where you are in the next game but as I say that week there is just a, a nice reminder everyone keep their feet on the floor you know, we are where we are. We're doing brilliantly, but we have to keep going. Going back, just before we move on to the women's side, we actually had, we briefly mentioned it, but we had Neil Warnock here in W12 as part of the Forever R's and he was on the pitch. He said for the first time ever, all four stands were cheering him. He got quite a reception, didn't he? Uh, Neil, yeah, great reception, fully deserved for, you know, his time at, at QPR. Um... You know, we had lined Neil up and I'd been speaking to him three or four weeks prior and it's you know, I was getting texts on the game and a couple of calls saying, you know, Neil coming back tonight when all the speculation about Mick, you know, and you you feel like going, guys, this has been planned for the last four or five weeks, you know, and uh but Neil come. He had a couple of guests with him, his son and his advisor. Um he had a great night, he was in good form, you know, Neil can tell stories. He spoke highly of his time here, the team that he had, the carrot as he had within the team, that excellent season where they gained promotion, different ways to win games, um, etc., etc. And when he came on the pitch, I thought he got a fantastic reception from both sets of fans, you know, the Rangers fans um, and the Carter fans. It was just another coincidence that we we looked at fixtures when we could get someone back, and it was just like oh, Neil's managed both these clubs and he's he's had a bit of success. There wasn't anything crazy about that decision. It was just the way it, uh, uh, just the way it fell in. So, uh, now it was great to see Neil back. Great reception, and it just shows you that you know we as a club, with the forever ours and the way we've moved that forward. You know we will recognise, and quite rightly so. We should always do that, and we will. You know players, managers, coaches who've served the club well, done well, 
in various capacities. You know, some off the field, some as well as on the field. And uh, thanks to the fans for you know their their support they give the Forever Are since we since we sort of launched it six seasons ago. Because without their support and them getting right behind it, it wouldn't be the success that it is now. So thanks to all the fans. Um, put it on a bit of a positive. A laughing matter. Did Neil have a bit of a joke with you, being a blade, being a mm-hmm. former Sheffield Wednesday no, player, just out of interest? No, he didn't actually. You know, we had a good conversation with it, as I have done over a few weeks. You know, we 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 spoke about his managerial career. You know how it started, how it evolved, the success that he's had. You know, if you look at his record, it's absolutely phenomenal. Sixteen hundred games plus, probably. I don't know what the exact total is, but you know. Was he had eight promotions at various clubs? You know that's that's going to take some beating. You know, uh, I think fans that he's your manager. I think really take him. Opposition fans, you know, he'll tell you himself love to give him stick, but I think he quite enjoys that in a way. You know, um, but no, great to have him back. Worthy of the induction, um, and you know, gave our club and he gave our fans some great memories we had some really good players on that team you know many of them have been back the Clints the Jamie Mackeys the um, the Ali Forlands that were trying to get back the Sean Derrys the Paddy Kennys you know all played their part in that great team you know Adele will be fondly remembered and quite rightly so for you know his part in that season some of the goals he scored were absolutely breathtaking and outstanding but again Neil will tell you and where we go back to Mick and what's happening here the team was the more most important element and the team will get you over the line to where you want to get to. And he mentioned, he spoke to Paul about Hyder Helgeson scoring a penalty here against Chelsea. Ray Wilkins was famously on commentary for Sky Sports that day saying, are we safe up in the gantry? Now I've spoken to my colleague Matt who mentioned that the gantry was rocking a couple of weeks ago against, I think it was the Reading game when Linden scored the penalty. Is there a real feel-good factor when you're over in the, the Stanley Bowl stand now. Yeah, I'm up there, you know, with Nick, and I really enjoy that sort of role, you know, um, you know, working alongside Nick, who does a great job, you know, QBR fan, and I think that comes through with him, um, or with us both. Um, but yeah, certain times where you can actually feel the stand shake a little bit. But again, I go back to the support the fans are given the team and the players and, and, and the, the staff and the club. been absolutely phenomenal. I think they sense something's bubbling I'm not going to get carried away and say that we're going to be here there or anywhere but you can see the optimism the the uh, the, the confidence that's running through the club with, with what's happening and um, if anyone deserves if there's a group of people that deserve success at Queen's Park Rangers it's well it's the owners it's the people behind the scenes but it's our fans who come week after week home and away back the team had some ups and downs but they're going to play a phenomenally key role in the remaining 30 games that we have this season. I'll be heading to, to Coventry City. I'll be in the away end there. I'll be soaking up the atmosphere. So hopefully it'll be an more, another enjoyable experience like it was last season with Albert's late winner. Assuming. Yeah, we got the goal. You know, I remember that game. I think we couldn't have complained if we had been three or four down in the first 25 minutes. I thought we were really poor on a day. And it's one of those games where you're getting... Or I got in the car and go, how we won that, but we did. So, um, and that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you just have to find a way to win games. And uh, yeah, I settled for the same result. Then we can go into the international break. And uh, yeah, very, very optimistic. Another place that's very optimistic as well is QPR FC Women's. It's been a very mixed start to the season, but they've certainly seemed to have turned a corner in recent weeks. They beat local rivals Hounslow 9 0. Ashford 2-1 to move up to fifth in the table. Obviously, the weather, we all saw the weather last weekend. Sunday, it got postponed, but they'll be playing AFC Wimbledon at Hamwell Town on Sunday afternoon in a scheduled, rescheduled game. FA Cup, it's a very big game for them. There's a lot of money involved now this season with women's football. be great to have support for everyone at to come down and join us. Well, it's an area uh, area of the game that's growing and growing and growing. Women's and girls football, you know, highlighted by the the success of the Lionesses uh, a few months ago. You know, um, QPR women's team have gone from strength to strength. Have you seen how they've developed and evolved and improved over recent seasons? You know, promotions, cup final wins. You know, they've had a bit of success. Um, 
yeah, doing well this season. That that FA Cup game is a big game. So any fans that want to go and see a good game of football, cheer the cheer the girls on, cheer the women on, and let's see if we can get in the next round. Kick off is at two o'clock at Hamwell Town with entry at three pound for adults. So please do come down and join us and cheer on Steve Koshy's side. Andy, thank you as always. It's a pleasure. It, our extended edition. We seem to have <laughs> we got caught chatting away, and here we are an hour later. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's always a always a pleasure, and it's you know when the team is going well, it it, it is a little bit easier. But uh, you know we're in a great position, but we haven't done anything yet. But I will will say on this platform, thanks to all our fans for the incredible support they've given the club, Mick, and the team, and long may that continue. Come on, you ask. <laughs>